if you want to go ahead and turn uh, this morning, thanks Brian, into uh, the New Testament, the second half, second part of the Bible, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians as we start off uh, today, book of Ephesians. And while I'm uh, while you're looking for the book of Ephesians as you're thumbing through and asking the person next to you where it's at, which is a good thing if you don't already know, uh, I want to get Sean to come up here and stand with me for a second. Come on, bro. You, this has been a stretching week. We're all right, bro. Come on. Brian, how do I turn this on? Oh, there it is. Um, they're going to put some pictures up. I'm not going to ask. We're not rapping, so you don't have to hold it like that. <laughs> Johnny Johnny's already got the guy so fired up tells him we're going to Nicaragua to stay in five star resorts okay so this is what's on our mind right when we go to Nicaragua to stay especially air conditioning, especially air conditioning. <laughs> when his luggage didn't show up I looked at him and I said oh God's got all up in your business already <laughs> We, uh, we had an opportunity to go to Nicaragua last, last week to, uh, to do some preliminary looking of what the culture's like because uh, we're going to be blessed next year to begin to go back into that country and begin to dot the, the landscape with some water wells. And uh, one of the neatest things is for what we experience, now we know the importance of what we're going to do and how God's going to use that in the days ahead. And we're so excited about that. Um, but we had an opportunity to go with the team, some people that Johnny knows, and, uh, and George McKay had asked us if we wanted to be a part of that. And, and I said, man, I'd love to be able to go specifically since that's what we're looking at. And so I started looking for somebody, and here's Sean saying, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we load up and we get packed, and we'd never met these, these guys that were with it all. And, and off to Nicaragua, we, we, we had... Uh, at three o'clock in the morning on uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. And uh, it was definitely an experience. Um, you will not, you haven't, I don't, I didn't put any nasty ones up there and nothing like that. The only thing I can say is this right here. If you think you're going to be taken care of and somebody's going to coddle you for a week, you need to stay home. If you're not ready for, a, for an unbelievable experience where you're going to be stretched and you're going to be challenged and you're going to be out of your comfort zone, stay home. Uh, it was really, really tough. Um, I, it was a great week for us, but it was good to be where the people were um, and to get to know the culture just a little bit better. Um, Sean, anything specifically that you want to share? Um, I know there's bunches of things you can share, but is there anything that's appropriate this morning that you'd like to be able to share? Because <laughs> um, God did a lot of work in your life last week. I got to really know our pastor for one week. <laughs> yeah, that you did. Um, no, for me, God did stretch me because he put me in a place that I could not control. Um, first night uh, I had not a change of clothes and it was hot and um, bats flying over our head bats flying no air conditioning and I am very familiar with being able to control my surroundings and definitely God put me in a place where I could not control my surroundings and um, 
it was it was definitely a learning experience and I was ready to go home. Day two, I had had enough and I was throwing in the towel and I had actually had my secretary buy me a ticket home. And I was coming home and I was glad to come home. Day three, God used me in a way that um, I knew that nobody else could have done at that point being there that I had to be there and the day I was supposed to leave the the missionary come knocking on my door and he was going to take me to the airport four and a half hour drive to the airport and um, he come knocking on the door and Sydney and I pretty much had a long discussion the night before and I was he didn't know it but I was in tears and I not an emotional type of guy unless my emotions are I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I had to go in the small shower with electrical cords in it and uh, <laughs> turn the shower on and basically just let, I, I sat in the shower crying because God said, you got to stay here. And I'm like, no, I'm going. I already got my ticket going home. I'm going. <laughs> and uh, the next morning, the missionary come knocking on the door and I just said, I can't go, I gotta stay here. And um, I'm glad I did. Uh, it was definitely, now reflecting back, it was a rewarding week for me. And um, I'm glad I stayed, I'm glad I went, even though at the time I didn't want to be there. But I am extremely glad and I'm thankful that you asked me to go. Well, one of our catchphrases is, what is? <laughs> the big yellow jelly bean. What is what's <laughs> one of the one of the things we kept asking him and and we kept asking ourselves is God what are you doing what is it you want us to see that we we don't want to miss anything and you know how many times do we live our lives and we just fail we think that that God's not involved listen he's involved in our lives in every little aspect of our lives he 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 wants us to to learn and to grow in him and sometimes he stretches us and he stretched us last week um and, and that big green jacket and that big, 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 big uh, <laughs> um <laughs> but but you know that you go back and you look and you and you tell the god stories um and there's so many god stories to tell we're in the rainy season it didn't rain the first lick while we were there until we got on the bus until we literally got on the bus and every one of us got on the bus and stepped on the bus and a monsoon perceived to take place. Now, it would have been extremely difficult doing what we were doing last week in the middle of rains based on the fact that we were on the side of a hill like this. Um, and just the walking and the travailing up and down the mountains would have been, uh, I can imagine you guys going to get the bamboo that y'all went to get. How you would have made it back up the hill if it wouldn't have been in that situation? Um, you'd been home Wednesday. <laughs> um, the fact that, that Sean and I were separated and so we were moved out of our comfort zone to start off with and it wasn't it wasn't like it was planned that way it just sort of happened. Um, Can I tell that story? Yeah. Uh, was it, it was Monday. Wasn't it? Monday. Yes, Monday. First of all, we got there Saturday, lost my bag, got my bag Sunday after pouting and throwing a big temper I didn't say that. I, I was miserable because I didn't have my clothes and I had to borrow his. So was, they did fit, by the way. 
big shoestring tied yeah. around. But um, anyway, Monday we go, we, we drove, Sunday we drove six hours to the rehab where we were spending the whole week. And um, so I'm thinking, we're going to that resort Johnny was talking about. Hallelujah. Well, guess what? Hotel America is not a resort at all. There it is right there. But um, anyway, we get there, and I'm, of course, let down again by Johnny that uh, there is no air conditioning again, uh, no window shade, so we had to have mosquito nets because of the bugs. And so the next day we're going to the rehab center to do our work. And mind you, I was at the lowest point in my life I, I think I've ever been. I was so down because of the conditions. So we get to the rehab center and as soon as we, I step off the bus, now Sydney had already been off the bus, already kind of got his orders. As soon as I get off the bus, the guy comes to me and he goes, you're going with us. And I said, where are we going? We're going, and he said, we're going to go get bamboo. And I'm like, well, well, let me go get Sydney. He goes, no, you're not, Sydney's not going. I'm like, oh, now my comfort zone, because I don't know any of these people. And at that point, I didn't like them. <laughs> so my only comfort zone, my only shoulder to lean on was taken away from me. So I'm like, what are you trying to do? What, am, what are, you, are you trying to really just give me a gun now? Because I'm ready to blow my brains out. <laughs> I was at that point. And uh, so he's, uh, he said, well, we're, it's just 10 miles up the road. Well, <laughs> 10 miles up the road, and literally 10 miles took us two and a half hours one way. So two and a half hours one way, and then we worked for an hour toting bamboo up a mountain 250 yards like on a 45 degree angle. And it was so much work and you know, and I'm, I feel like I'm a hard worker and I enjoyed the work. And then we had to ride two and a half hours back. But for six hours, seven hours of the day, my comfort zone was taken away from me. And uh, I was just like, I can't do it. And that's at the point when I had called my wife and told her, get me a ticket home, I'm coming home. We, while we were there, I mean, there's so many stories, and I, I don't want to just share everything with you. But I, here's Kelly calling me in the doggone middle of the afternoon, and he keeps ringing and by my phone and ringing my phone, and, ring, and I'm thinking something's wrong. And for some reason, I had service because I never cut my phone on every once in a while, but the phone just started ringing. Well, Kelly's calling me right after we had just got through dealing with a young kid by the name of Hoel who whose father had driven him or ridden him across the country to drop him off in an area so he wouldn't know his way back home. Um, and he had been living on the streets for the past, um, past year. They found him in a croaker sack. And while we were doing medical testing, he was one of the kids that, uh, that came up and there's, there's more to the story than that. But here I just got through dealing with that and Kelly's calling my phone. And so I said, Kelly, is everything all right? And, started to, and I, I just lost it. So Kelly, are you there? Are you there? Are you, you there? And, um, but you know, um, I hope that every one of us have an opportunity to participate in something. Yeah.
um, participate. Um, but we don't have to go to Nicaragua. There are people here living in somewhat the same conditions. Um, but uh, last week we dealt with people with tuberculosis and hepatitis and sexually transmitted diseases and everybody had parasites. And uh, we're going to be taking back a team next year to the area of Lyon. If you want to go back and look at it on the, the map, you'll be able to see that, the area of Lyon. Um, and if we have, we're going to take 12 um, to that area. Um, we need 12 to be able to con con to be able to complete the task of building the well that needs to be done. We'll be working with Living Water International. Uh, Chris Winters will be with us in a few weeks, and he'll be here to share with us what Living Water International is about. As a matter of fact, um, Rick and Mary Irvin, who are the missionaries here, veterinary missionaries, um, happen to work with World Vision. There's a lot of these agencies that sort of interact with one another there in, in Nicaragua. Um, but uh, if we have more than that, we may end up looking at sending a team to work with Rick and Mary, uh, Sean, because now we know the area, we know what to expect, and we've already built relationships there. Um, I'll lead that team if you need me to. Okay. Um, but to tell you, I want us to be able to see with spiritual eyes um, we had come into Granada, we were getting ready to leave, headed to Managua, and we had spent a couple of hours there in, in, uh, in Granada to eat supper, to sort of take a break, and Sean and I got off and we spent time with a girl by the name of Imani who, um, she went with us, She's, her goal is to be able to work with the CDC in the areas of, of, uh, of d disease control. And she is Dominican, and she speaks Spanish. And we go, hey, let's take Imani with us. She'll speak on our behalf, and she'll tell us what's going on. <laughs> and about that time, we're meeting, and there's a young man that comes up. His name is Gabriel. And Gabriel asks if you guys would like to take a horse ride around the city for the next hour. We go, well, that's a good thing. We'll just get a chance to see the city. He'll tell us all about the city. He's 18 years old. He's in a civil marriage. Um, his, his wife uh, just had a baby not long ago. We rode around, and, and sharp kid. I mean, he could tell you about anything and everything. And, uh, and so at the end of the ride, we wanted to be able to extend the ride, not so to extend the ride, but to be able to spend time with Gabrielle. And while we were there, we said, well, listen, can you go? Can we take you to eat supper? Can, can we feed you? But I knew that was going to be difficult because what would he do with his horse and buggy? And he says, well, I can't do that, but I'll take a takeout. And um, we said, sure, we'll do that. Let's be able to bless you. And uh, but within a few minutes, he came back and he said, I can stay. He found somebody to watch, watch his horse and buggy that would watch after that. So we're eating and we talk and um, the average pay there is less than a less than two dollars a day per person. Um, as a matter of fact, a teacher makes about a dollar and 50 cent a day um, there in the country, a teacher. OK. Um, and. And so at the end of our meal and conversing, we, we gave him a, a monetary gift and he was sitting and he was overwhelmed and Sean was sitting down at the end of the table and I was here and Imani was across. And I looked at him and I said, you've blessed us and we, we want to bless you. And we knew that the money that we gave him would be more than, uh, we knew that. And I said, I want you to understand that it's not this money that brings hope and our blessing isn't just from us, this is from God. And the greatest blessing we have is what God did through his son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for us. And, and tears just welled up in his eyes. And, and he said, um, 
He said, I receive your blessing uh, with much thanks. In broken English. And I'm getting his information and I'm thinking, how in the devil am I going to keep up with this guy? Um, Because I want to be able to keep up with him. I don't just want to meet him and him be a passing angel in the night. And we walk outside and um, and you you tell me God doesn't know and He doesn't ordain things. We walk back out and we're Rick and Mary are coming and there's this young girl with Rick and Mary, and and Rick and Mary introduce introduce us and she looks at me and she goes, I know you. You're Pastor Sydney. In the middle of Nicaragua and Granada, who in the world is this? And come to find out, she knows Denise, and she knows Mike Knorr, and she knows she grew up over uh, in the Silver Lake area, and she's there on mission. And I said, God brought me my angel to be able to keep up with Gabrielle in the days ahead. And you tell me God doesn't know that. But it was a good trip. Um, we don't have to go to Nicaragua, though, to be on mission. God challenged us to be on mission every day. Sean, I, I appreciate you for going. Man, I saw so much growth in you last week. It was awesome. And uh, the thing is, is that God just doesn't want to, he doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to continue to move steps towards him. And it was definitely a, a move like that last week. John? What were you going to get the bamboo for? Uh, we had to build a goat pen because um, the living conditions at the rehab center, they were trying to be self-sustaining because um, everything was donated to them and they were trying to feed three meals a day to 160 to 170 people three meals a day and it, I think there's a picture on there of their ki kitchen which was outside and they had four or five people that cooked all day long so the go pen was to um, oh there's our resort um, the goat pen was so they could have female goats that they could milk and they could get milk from the female goats. Uh, one of the things that Sydney didn't explain to about how God intervened on many occasions was, of course, um, the, one, the, the night that it rained, he didn't tell you that that was our last day at the rehab, our final day. Now, we had worked four days straight. And, and worked. It wasn't a vacation. It was hard work from what nine o'clock to four o'clock, with maybe a half an hour break, and in the extreme heat of conditions that you could imagine a third world country being. Plus, um, so so it rained the last day that we were getting on the bus. We said our goodbyes, you know, did our praise service, and got on the bus. It literally as soon as. The last person got on the bus at monsoon. That night, now we had had power, and everybody kept saying, "Well, you'll lose power every, you know, once a night." Or, as a matter of fact, we were expecting our power to be gone every night. Well, we didn't lose power till that last night at the hotel. So, and being it being the rainy season, they said it should rain every day. Well, it only rained the, the last day we were at the rehab. We only lost power the last day that we were in Ladaya. Um, what else was there? There's, I've got a notebook of things. There's just a whole bunch of things. Yeah, and in every every situation, Sydney's like, see, God did that. And I'm like, can you just give me a break with this? Let it just be circumstances. Let it be just 
uh, co coincidence. <laughs> the little boy, uh, Hoel, um, Rick and Mary have been childless as missionaries. They're in their 50s. And when we left, they were looking at ways that they could bring them into, into him into their home. Um, and that's another story in, in itself. Um, but they were trying to locate and, and trying to work through what little bit of authorities that they have there to see if the, what the complications might be. So um, that's that was what. But his name was Howell, and so if you and you, he had met, met Howell three weeks prior to us being there, right? And he was living on the streets for three weeks. Well, when we got there, that's when the pretty much the that's, same as you day, showed up that day. We showed up. The rehab center took him in, and all the mission team pretty much just you know loved on this kid and he really felt like uh he was part of the family so yeah and uh that was it was neat but anyway thank you guys for praying for us you saw us i told sean last sunday i said listen man we got to go hide in the bushes someplace and look like we're out in the jungle instead of up in some resort they're gonna think we've been having a great time <laughs> that was not the truth was it uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh my goodness the book of Ephesians, thanks, Sean. It was a good time. I'm looking forward to, to next year and what God will do and how we'll be stretched. Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and let's kick this off today. I want to read this to you, just the first couple of verses, and then we're going to pray. Pray together. This is what Paul said in his letter to the, to the uh, believers there at, at Ephesus. This letter is written from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And in verse 2 he says, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Would you pray with me? Father, today for the next few minutes I pray that you'd stop time. Allow us the opportunity to read and walk through these verses. And to hear what you want us to hear. Every one of us are walking on a journey of faith. Some, uh, Father, have not begun that journey. They're still searching and they're looking. Others, Father, have begun that process by going to church, but they've never trusted you. And then there are those that have entered into that relationship with you by believing that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died on a cross for our sins. And they trusted him as their personal Savior. There are some of us that are in this room, Father, that made that decision, and we've been seasoned believers for many years, but God, you're not done with teaching us and growing us. So wherever we are in, the, in, the, in, the, in our journey of faith, God, I pray that today you'd speak to us specifically as we begin to open up this book, this book that Paul himself wrote, inspired by you, and that we would hear from you today. In Christ's name, amen. God's Word, His Bible, the Bible, isn't just a book, but it's a collection of books. 66 books written over a period of about 1,600 years by 40-something different authors. And um, Paul was one of those authors, and he authored some half the books of, of the New Testament. Um, and the last time we looked uh, at a series, we walked through the book of Galatians. Now we're going to uh, we're going to turn to the book of Ephesus. But if you remember, Paul was writing specifically the book of Galatians because there was an issue that he was dealing with. He had come and he had preached to them that salvation was by faith alone in Jesus Christ. But there were those that followed him and said, no, it's by faith in Jesus Christ plus. And remember, there is no plus to the process. 
It's Jesus, period. There is no other way to salvation. It's not through obedience to the law because the law didn't save us. The law only makes us, it only makes us aware of our sin. But Jesus is the one that died on the cross so that we could be saved. But now we have Paul writing to the believers there in Ephesus. And I can imagine as he's writing this letter at a different stage in his faith, writing back out of his love because he had met these people. And now he's writing back to them to say, listen, I just want you to know that I'm so excited for you. I want you to know that your position in Christ is so much more probably than you could ever dream or imagine. I want you to understand how rich you are in Christ Jesus. And so if we were to take the book of Ephesians, you really could divide it down into two different, uh, two different areas. Um, our position in Christ and the practice of being a Christian, our beliefs and our behaviors. But we're going to start today just by introducing what Paul said, and we're going to go back and look at the early church. But to start off with um, early church there at Ephesus, but Paul starts out by describing himself as an apostle. Now, if we were to give a definition to the apostle, it means one sent on the mission. If we were to look in the reality of us in this room, those of us that are believers in this room have been sent on a mission. The word apostle, it, 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 uh, it, it should should be a, a, something that, 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 um, that represents us because God has sent us on a mission if we're believers in Christ Jesus. But I have to believe that Paul wasn't just talking about the overall word apostle being sent, but he's talking about a limited number of people here. Uh, the, the office of apostle. And there were two basic requirements for the office of apostle. Number one, they would have a face-to-face -face encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. And that was what Paul had. If you remember in the book of Acts in chapter, chapter 9, Paul was on his way, or Saul was on his way before his name was changed. Saul was on his way to, to persecute the believers in um, Damascus. He was on his way to persecute the believers there. And all of a sudden, the Lord comes to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He had a face-to-face -face encounter with the risen Savior. And his life was radically changed. The second um, requirement that we see for that of an apostle would be a direct commission by God for his work. And if you read a little bit later on in that book, you'll see where God specifically uh, commissioned him to go out and to preach the gospel. And so Paul is telling these people here as he's writing, I want you to know that I'm an apostle. I'm not just making this stuff up, but I want you to know that I meet these requirements and I'm coming to you not because I've got something good to say. I want you to know that I'm coming to you under the authority of God the Father. And I'm speaking to you. So here he is, an apostle, writing to them under the leadership of the Lord. And he's writing to a group of people in Ephesus. And look at what he says. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Holy people, set apart. But they were set apart not because of their good works, but they were set apart because of their belief in Jesus. They were set apart because of their beliefs in Jesus. And if we look at Ephesus, so these were believers that were in Ephesus. Let me just tell you a little bit about Ephesus, because Ephesus was one of the five major cities that was in Rome at that time. Alexandria, Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were sent out to preach. Corinth, Rome, and Ephesus was one. Ephesus probably had about 300,000 people. It was on the Aegean, uh, Aegean Sea. It was a major seaport, lots of commerce in and out, a lot of people. And it was also the place of the Temple Diana or Artemis is what we know it as. It was a place where um, it was just a, an awful lot of stuff that took place. They said that the Temple Diana or Artemis had 
had this, it was this humongous temple of 127 um, 60 foot pure white marble columns and there there were prostitutes that did business in and out of that temple and the way that the people would support the temple the prostitutes would go out into the city at day they would engage in sexual activity they'd be paid and they would bring the finances back so you can imagine man this is a place I mean we talk about Las Vegas what happens there stays there well this is this was in Ephesus what happens stayed there so it was, it was a major mess. So here you've got the believers, the followers of Christ, who are in Ephesus, a place of corruption, but they're also in Christ. So they're in Ephesus, and they're in Christ, living amidst all this stuff that is going on. That's where they were. And Paul says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And in this book, we're going to see some 35 times or so where the, where the words in Christ is used. In Christ. And in Christ means that I've trusted Christ. It means not only do I believe, but I have surrendered my life. I'm living for Him. Not my will, but Your will be done. And Paul stated it this way in the letter when he wrote the letters to the churches there, the believers there in Galatia. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. And so Paul demonstrated, and he said it that way to the, to the church, it, to the believers there in Galatia, that I'm crucified with Christ. It's not me, but I've surrendered my life, and I'm living for Christ. And so Paul now is writing to these guys saying, listen, in Christ. And you know what, guys, listen to me. When you're in Christ, it isn't business as usual. When you're in Christ, you can't go on with life the same. It's impossible. Impossible. And so you got the guys in Ephesus, these believers living in this place that is really, really tough probably for a believer to live because of all the sinful attractions that are around them. And you know, sometimes we can become so attracted that we become distracted. You ever been in that situation? I was watching a movie the other night, and finally, I, I, I thought it was a, some good movie. And then I thought, and Meredith and I were watching, and finally she says, well, I turned it off. It was, it was trash. And it wasn't because of the language. It was because of what was going on. Husbands sleeping with other people's wives, being attracted, and it was, it was a mess. It was ridiculous. But we can end up being in this environment, and all of a sudden, we become attracted, and in the attraction, we become distracted. Sean got, he, he made fun of me all the time. I didn't appreciate it. We'd get out someplace and I'd start looking at leaves and looking at birds and I'm looking at the ground. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I mean, I'm just, man, you're weird, you know. I just love looking at stuff. So, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, I was, I was up in, outside of Calgary doing some, some stuff. And uh, I was doing some teaching for um, a seminary there and and I had a few hours, and so I, I headed up to the mountains for, for a few hours just to look because I wanted to be able to see the wildlife. And, and so I came to an area, and, and I got some elk over here, and, and I got some, some bighorn sheep over here. And, and I just get out the truck, and I start walking. And I'm just walking, and I'm looking, and, man, I'm down by a creek, and I'm just enjoying life. And, and then all of a sudden, um, I come to a place in the creek where there was sand, and all of a sudden I start seeing these big feet footprints about like this. <laughs> Grizzly bears, you got that right. I'd become so attracted by my surroundings, I put myself in some very difficult situations that could have been very destructive. I mean, really, 
Think about it. Um, and how many times do we put ourselves in, in areas that, that we have the ability to be destroyed because we become attracted and we become distracted? And one of the challenges that we will always have is to live in this world and not be of the world. See, Christ sent us into the world not be, to be influenced by it, but to be an influence by it. Jesus didn't pray for his disciples to be removed from the world, but you know what? He prayed that we would be able to live in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit as we lived in the world. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 19 and let's look a little bit at the early church there in Ephesus. The book of Acts, we're still in the New Testament, written by a man by the name of Luke. This is sort of the second half of Luke. But in Acts chapter 19, I want to read this to you. This is what he wrote. Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on him, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. Verse 8, then when Paul went to the synagogue and, and then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way or the believers that were there. So Paul left the synagogue and he took the believers with him and he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. Then went on for the next, this went on for the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. And so here's Paul coming into Ephesus, and the question is, why was Paul in Ephesus? Why was Paul in Ephesus? I mean, was he on a mission vacation? Was he on a humanitarian effort? No. He was there, why? To preach the gospel. It's exactly right. He had been commissioned. He was sent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was his desire. That was his commissioning. That was what he was commissioned to do. He was sent out to do that. And so if that was his commission and that was what he was sent to do, the question was, how would Paul advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are two things that I want you to write down. There were two things that Paul took, took with him to advance the gospel. Number one was the Spirit of God. The second thing was the Word of God. He didn't take a great plan. He didn't go build buildings. He didn't do a bunch of things that we would consider doing today, but he took two things with him. He took the Word of God and he took the Spirit of God. Let's look at those two resources just really quickly. The Spirit of God. Now, this is what I want you to understand about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God always brings change. Jesus told his disciples when he left them that he wouldn't leave them alone, Sharon, but what he said is, I'm going to provide for you a comforter, a guide, a teacher who will walk alongside you in this journey. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. That you would be my witnesses. And Paul's impact 
there in Ephesus wouldn't take place because he was a great orator. It wouldn't take place because he was a great guy. But it would take place there. People's lives would be changed because they came in contact with the Spirit of God. Look at what it says there to start off with. In verse 1, when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, if you want to know a little bit more about Apollos, because that's probably on your mind. Who's Apollos? Read in chapter 18. You'll find a little bit more about Apollos. If you've got a New Living Translation application Bible, there's a whole section there about Apollos and who he was. But he was a great orator. He knew the Old Testament. He had heard John's message of repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he had gone around preaching that message. But Apollos didn't know about Jesus' life. And he didn't know about his death. And he didn't know about his crucifixion. And he didn't know about the resurrection. Until there was this couple that Paul had hung out with previously named Priscilla and Aquila that sat him down and said, listen, let me tell you the rest of the story. And so... Um, so here's Paul arriving in town and he meets some people and they identified themselves as believers. But Paul knew something was missing in their lives. He knew that something was missing. And the only thing that I could think of is that maybe Paul didn't see evidence of Christ's likeness in their life. Can I ask you this question? If Paul were to come into Wildwood today, and if he were to walk in among us and he were to see us outside of the church environment, would there be enough evidence to convict us of being a Christ follower? Even at the times we're at our best and the times at our worst. So there was something there that set Paul off and goes where he says he meets these people that call themselves believers. Oh, we go down to the local synagogue. Oh, we give tithes and we give alms. But there was something that was missing, and Paul knew it. He knew it. Look at what Paul asked them. Then what baptism did you experience? In other words, what teaching did you identify with? If you've not heard of the Holy Spirit, if you've not heard of Jesus, then what, what baptism did you experience? What teaching did you identify with? Because baptism was a sign, an outward expression of what was going on inwardly. It was a sign that I identify with your teaching. And so here it is, they respond. They said, John's baptism, because they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And look at what Paul said. John's baptism, in verse 4, called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul comes back and he gives them the rest of the story. I want you to know the story that it's not just repentance of sins, but it's about this man by the name of Jesus who became the propitiation, who became the place, who died in our place so that we might be saved, so that our sins could be blotted out. He said, let me tell you about this guy. About this guy. And all of a sudden, those guys that called themselves believers said, listen, I believe in what you said. I believe. And it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as soon as they heard what Paul had to say about Jesus, they were baptized. And I want you to write this down if you've got something in reference to the Spirit. As Christ followers, the Spirit is given to us so that we can relate to Jesus and live for Him. Do you understand this, that as Christ followers, God's will for us is to, is to, is to live a holy life? 
If you turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, you don't have to turn there. I mean, it could be very difficult to find, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read this to you. This is what it says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God's will is, is that you be holy. God's will is that you be holy. And what happens is the Spirit of God is given to us so that we can not only relate to Jesus, but that we can live for Him. And the Bible says in verse 6, Then Paul laid his hands on him, and the Holy Spirit came on him, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. And you can write this down too. The Spirit is received by submitting to God. The Spirit of God is received. The Holy Spirit is received by submitting to God. So here's Paul baptizing these guys in the name of Jesus. And it wasn't about a temporary fix, and it wasn't about feeling sorry for something they had done in the past. But these guys were coming saying, listen, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sin. And I want to commit and I want to submit to live for Him. I want to surrender my life. I want to yield my life. And after Paul baptized them, the Bible says that he laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. And it wasn't because Paul had some great special power that was flowing through his hands. But I can imagine that this was a picture, a complete picture of submission saying, I humbly submit myself to God. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit came on them, there was evidence that the Holy Spirit was at work in their lives. The Bible says, number one, that they spoke in tongues. Number two, that they prophesied. Now, if I would have come back from Nicaragua, um, speaking in another tongue, you guys would have known, obviously, something had taken place, right? I learned a lot of language when I was there. One of the things they told me, what they, <laughs> they said, no mas poito, no mas poito, too much chicken, no more chicken, no more chicken. And, uh, but you would know there was an outward evidence, not only that, the prophecy, the prophesying, the prophesying that took place, not only the foretelling, but the foretelling. Not only looking ahead and being able to determine the events that will happen, but also forthtelling, the revealing of heart, God's heart, speaking the truth. But listen, the issue isn't here speaking in tongues, and the issue isn't here prophesying. That's not the issue. The issue is the focus on transformation that takes place when we ourselves surrender our lives to God, and we say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Wes, that's what takes place. God, I submit my life to you. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. It's not about speaking in tongues, and it's not about prophesying. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there is an outward evidence of, of the fact that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Life is transformed. We begin to look more like Christ. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we become convicted of things in our life that are contrary to God. And as we grow in Christ, it's less of me and more of Him. Our growth in Christ brings us to a place of asking, you know, is it what others think that's most important or is it what Christ thinks that's most important? I had a guy that called me a few weeks ago. He's a Christian. He's a believer. And on the phone, I could tell that he was, he said, can I meet with you? I said, sure. And as we sat down and talked, he said, I needed to come see you. He said, I've been struggling with pornography. I said, you have? I said, you know, I said, man, I said, God loves you. And uh, I said, um, why are you coming? And he said to me, my wife didn't catch me. 
My business partners didn't catch me. Nobody caught me. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I can't live this way anymore. I can't live this way anymore. We spend so much time telling each other how to live instead of listening to the Holy Spirit because He, he is the convictor. He is the one, Danny, that will tell us and direct us in which way we should go. And it's a powerful experience when we are in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within us and instead of listening to some, what somebody else has to say or what we need to do or how we should live, all of a sudden we begin to say, God, what is it you want me to see and what is it you want me to hear and how do I realign my life and how do I begin to live my life based on your convictions, not what somebody else is telling me. That's strong. That's powerful. That's when life change takes place. And when we yield and we surrender our lives to God, He trans forms us. Look at the second resource, the Word of God. Look at what it says in verse 7. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogues. I'm sorry, I'm back in Acts again. 19.7. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting the message and publicly speaking about the way. So Paul left the synagogue and he took the believers with him. Then they held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. Then he went for ne next two years so that people throughout the, the province of Asia, both Jew and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. If you want to know how to live, it's the word of God that gives us, that directs us towards change. The Bible says that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If you go back and read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us what's right. It tells us what's not right. It tells us how to get right and how to stay right. Man, God's Word is so important to us. I want you to be in a small group. I want you to be involved in, in a Bible study. I want you to be involved in group life, not because it's just something else to do to say, look at what we've got going. I want you to be involved in God's Word. Listen, you may not be able to make it. Are you spending time in God's Word personally? That's the number one priority. Are you spending time personally in God's Word? Group life just isn't about getting together to say, oh, we've got 40 groups in group life. Forget about all that stuff. Are you in God's Word? Are you spending time in God's Word? It starts off with these 12 guys in a city, remember, of about 300,000. And it doesn't seem to be a very big group to take on impacting that community. But Paul takes them back and he, and he begins to immerse them in God's Word so they can understand God's Word. And he begins to teach them the Scriptures and they spend time in the Scriptures. And it all doesn't take long for the religious guys to get mad. They get all upset. They can't do that. So he took those that wanted to listen and he taught them and he took them over to a school. One of the things we learned in Nicaragua, there's a certain portion of the day they just don't work. It's too hot, so you know what? They take a siesta. They just take some time off. And that's exactly what we see here in Ephesus. There was a time during the day that it was so hot, they didn't have, you know, uh, Munn's air conditioning around to put them in an air conditioning. So what they did is they took a break. Well, Paul said, listen, I'll use the school at that time. You know, that's how Heritage started. The school said, well, we don't have anybody on Sunday. We'll use the school at that time. So we assembled here in this school place, and Paul took the resources that were available, and he used it. So here... The, here, when the school wasn't being used, Paul said, listen, I'll use it, and I'll discuss the Word of God. And so they studied God's Word, and they grew in their relationship with the Lord. And you can write this down. We need God's Word to understand God, because if we don't use God's Word, we will create a God that just meets us where we are. 
you'll create some type of an idol that is a God that will make you, make you feel good in reference to what you want to take place. But that's why you spend time in God's Word. It can be well-intended, but your thoughts can be so confusing if you don't spend time in God's Word. And it's a, when we take God's Word and we apply it to God's Word that we begin to grow spiritually. And all of a sudden we begin to move from selfishness to selflessness. And all of a sudden we begin to care about other people and our lives are changed, which leads to community transformation. See, I'm just not interested in doing church, guys. I believe that God ordained us to be here at a specific time, at a specific, a specific place, just to impact this community in which we live. And you're a part of it. You're a part of that. And write this down, because when those of us who claim to be in Christ begin to live in Christ, lives are changed, people are changed, communities are changed. Look at what it says in, in chapter 19, verse 18. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. I want you to remember why Paul went. He went to advance the gospel. And he says in verse, verse 18, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incarnation books and burned them at, public, at a public burn, uh, bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Four things to write down. Number one, they turned from false religion to a true God. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, people began to trust in the Word about Jesus and their lives were transformed. The Holy Spirit came on them. They stopped practicing all this foolishness of black magic and sorcery. As people heard the gospel, they believed and they received the Holy Spirit and transformation takes place. And look, when you receive the Holy Spirit, transformation takes place. Are you different today than when you were then? If not, there is a major problem. You may have repented of your sins but not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, He transforms your life. And that only happens when you say, I will, Father. I will. I surrender. I lay my life down. Second thing. They removed the things that were obstacles to them being in Christ. It says they brought those books of sorcery, those incarnation, uh, incarnation books, witchcraft, and they burned them. Over a million dollars of stuff, but we don't realize they didn't have the printing press out running those books. Those were probably first print books that would never be repeated again. They burned their family heirlooms. They bypassed the heritage of paganism that was brought in, and they burned them there because they said, we believe. And because their lives were changed, they got rid of all that stuff in their life that, that would have been considered to be an obstacle. Some of you may have grown up in church and remember public bonfires where they would bring stuff that were obstacles and they would talk about drugs and they would talk about um, alcohol and they would talk about pornography and they would talk about all kinds of things. And I, my question to you today, if we were to hold a public bonfire, what would you bring? What would you bring to burn? Would it be a hobby? Would you bring your golf clubs because all of a sudden it takes priority over God? Would you bring your TV? What about your boat or your fishing pole or your phone? You might be in drugs, you might be in uh, pornography, your vehicle, your computer. It might be cash that you bring, to breed, uh, you bring to burn. But later on in the story, if you go on to read, what ended up happening was that those people that were making the silver idols to the goddess Diana, and this was a huge business during that time, they would end up stop making those silver idols. And as a result, the economy was harmed. 
Here is the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God. Lives are transformed always to the, to the place that now it's affecting the economy. Wow. What economy would hurt today if we as the people of God in Christ were to stand up and realize that certain things were obstacles in our relationship with God? What might be burned? What economy might be harmed or threatened as a result of us standing up and doing the right thing? Third thing, the, the word of the Lord was spread. So the message about the Lord spread. And as it spread, people's lives were transformed. They were transformed. It caused such a stir. And people started talking about what was going on. Those that were in Christ started living in Christ. And they became billboards and they began advertising for the Father. And today, what billboard are you advertising? Who are you advertising for? What are you saying about the Father as your billboard is put up every day as you go out into the workplace? And the fourth thing is this, grace and peace. We started out today reading Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, and it said, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Undeserved favor. And peace is spiritual completeness. And you know where that comes? Not in the midst of our circumstances. Not in the midst of our circumstances. Lost luggage. No air. Disease. That's not where peace comes from. Peace comes from knowing Christ. That's where it comes from. Shalom. Rest. Peace. And that's a result of being in Christ. Everything else that we are looking for, all it does is we throw it into a hole. The only thing that fits us right is peace. The only thing that binds rest is peace. And that's from knowing our Savior. So I ask you this question to start off the book of Ephesians. Do you know Him? If you do, things are different. Life is different. Paul walked into the church at Ephesus, or he walked into that area as he wrote to the believers. And as he came in, there were some people that called themselves believers, but he knew that they, there was something that was missing. Is there something missing in your life? What is it? You may know about him, but do you really know him? And the only time you come to experience Christ and the Holy Spirit is when we submit our, our lives to Him. We pour out ourselves. That's the only way that we can be filled. We're so filled with ourselves, there's nothing else can come inside of us. It's when you empty yourself out and you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Your stuff is more important than my stuff. You're the priority, not, my, not me. So I don't know where you are today. I would love to believe that every one of us in this room are where we need to be. But it's not that way. And you know that. Every one of us in this room has a place, something that we need to, that we need to, to make some adjustments. Every one of us. There's a song that Brian played. Brian, why don't you just play this really, really quickly for us. That song that you played a while ago about surrendering and yielding as we close up. It'd be a good time of just personal reflection. It was the second song that we sang.
Um, my, my greatest desire is that, is that every one of us in this room would come to a place, those that say that they're connected to heritage, that we would say, God, I desire so much more of you. But the only way that we can get more is to pour ourselves out and to surrender. To surrender. To yield our lives. And so my challenge today is if you don't know Him, and if you've not surrendered, man, would you do that today? It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's all they needed. And it radically transformed an area. People's lives are changed. See, I see you guys that are out on the football field right now coaching these guys in football. What an unbelievable way to be a testimony for Christ. That's why God's placed you there. Not just so you can go and fill some time out there on the football field at the Villages. For those that are coaching baseball or soccer, you know why God's put you there? So that you can be an influence for Him. You know why God's put you at that place of business? So that you can have an impact. Not just tell them where you go to church. There are great churches all over this community that are telling people about Jesus. He's put you there so that you would leave a lasting influence because of who you are in Christ because of your behavior. And so my challenge is today as Brian plays just a few pieces of this. Man, consider what are the obstacles in your life and what is it today that you need to say, Lord, I surrender. I yield this area. You may be a believer, but this is something you need to deal with. And if you're here and have never trusted Christ, what's keeping you from making that decision? Paul said it was by admitting their sin, believing that Jesus died on a cross, and saying, I want to live for Him. It sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. But it's the only way. So if today, if you've never trusted Christ, would you come and see me? I'd love to talk to you about that standing here today. If today you need to come and just maybe, maybe kneel and pray. If you need to grab your spouse, maybe you're in the midst of a conflict. Maybe you're thinking about leaving, running away, or doing something else. It's a great place just to take your spouse and say, listen, I, I need to confess some things to you, and I'm sorry. What is the obstacles for those of us that are believers, and are you willing to surrender that today? But would you respond as Brian plays this song? And you can just bow your heads right there where you are as he plays.